0: Great. Okay. Episode two. Thank you, Dr. Michael Brooks, for coming on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. How are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm excited to get out here and get going with this. So thanks for having me.
0: Great. Great. You're welcome. We were at the Summer Expo in Branson and we had just gotten the first episode released with Dr. Montgomery and we were trying to see who wanted to come on and talk. And it was just fortuitous that you were there at that exact moment talking to Derek. So it worked out. I think this is going to be a good one. And you know if these podcast episodes were just trying to give people conversations, things to listen to while they're out and about, but we hope they take something back from them. You know, it's a seminar, bit of a networking event and just some entertainment all rolled up in one. That's kind of the vibe we were going for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm glad to provide any any insight and help into into making that happen.
0: Great, great. Well, I guess the first thing is if you just tell a little bit about your story, maybe, you know, prior to putting in your application to become a chiropractor, you know, what were you into? And then sort of give us an idea of where it started and kind of how you ended up now in your practice.
1: Yeah. So I'm originally from Kansas City. I was born and raised here. And from when I was a little child, I had known that I'd always wanted to help people. And when I was, In grade school, I had thought that I had wanted to be a physical therapist. And so I was really trying to focus on that and go down that road. And then when I was in undergrad, I had heard about this other profession, chiropractic. It was something new to me. I had never been to a chiropractor before, never talked to a chiropractor before. So I was completely in the dark about what chiropractic actually was. So I went on a tour of Cleveland Chiropractic College at that time, Cleveland University, Kansas City now. And I was hooked and decided that I wanted to be able to help people with just my hands and just me and my table. And I didn't need anything else. So I got into Cleveland and I wanted to get involved in the student activities that they had there. And so the Student American Chiropractic Association really really drew me in. And so I was very active in that throughout my four years at Cleveland, holding various leadership positions of the SACA Cleveland chapter, and then at the national level as well. Um, And that really catapulted me into wanting to get involved more in the state association when I got out into practice. And when I was in school, I had always envisioned starting my own from scratch, owning my own business, because that's kind of what they always promote and they always talk about while you're in school. But at the time, it was very difficult for me to get started on my own. So I just decided that I would do an associate position for a couple of years. And so I worked at an associate position for three years in Lee Summit. And then after I was there for three years, then I got the opportunity to buy a clinic in Raymore, Missouri. And so I purchased that clinic in 2019 and I've been there ever since. So it'll be about four years now.
0: Yeah, that's great. So that's a combination of everything. Inspiration from grade school all the way up to SMB ownership and entrepreneurship. So I think you hit them all on the head there. I think what was the most interesting to me is, and I'm going to keep asking this question, I'm sure I'll get different answers, was just what drew you to it. So it was interesting that you knew you wanted to help people. And Mm -hmm. then you were also open to hearing all the ways you could help. I think the benefit to taking a look at the different types of practices later on uh, it sounded like you were open minded from the beginning. So that's probably why you're having such success at what you're doing is that you had a larger goal and you weren't necessarily just fixated on, you know, I'm going to check these boxes to see if I would be a candidate to do this. So you knew what you wanted to do.
1: Correct. Exactly. And when I was in undergrad at Avila University here in town, they had a class that was all about just promoting the different types of medical professionals that you could get into, whether it was wanting to be like a primary care physician, or they even had like an ENT come in and talk to us. And so they were very good about opening up and really showing us the different avenues and the different opportunities that we had, even if what we thought we wanted to do wasn't what we wanted to do. So I think that that's where most of that open-mindedness comes from, is just knowing that there are numerous opportunities, and it's just finding the one that fits best for you.
0: Yeah, and I think that also carries with you when you get out of school. So while you're You know, in the various trimesters that you're getting started, I'm sure there's milestones and everybody listening is going to know at a certain point where you're in school and it's, you know, whether you're an undergrad or you're in grad school, you have to think about how you're going to make money. There just comes this time where the environment of, you know, scholastic improvement and everything on that front is starting to shape up and you start to see the end. Usually your schedule constricts a little bit. You start to Mm -hmm. see what it looks like towards the end. So maybe you get more flexibility. Maybe your Tuesday, Thursdays are all day on campus now because you're pretty much locked in from eight to six on classes. And at that point, it gets pretty familiar what you're going to have to do. You're going to need to either hang a shingle somewhere or like you mentioned, come in as an associate. Could you talk a little bit more about what it takes to become an associate and do you stay one forever? How how does one make the decision? What happens when you decide? You know what? I'm gonna work with somebody else in the beginning.
1: Mm-hmm. So an an associateship is just. It's approached just kind of like you're getting a job when you're in high school. You know, they have offices that need more than one or two doctors to provide all the services for the number of patients that they're getting. And so then they hire you on just as an employee, essentially. And so you just fill out an application or submit a resume and then they just hold an interview process and then hire you from there. Um, That's how it was for me. I just... Uh, I was on the classifieds at Cleveland uh, and at Logan University. And I happened to find the office through Logan University. And so I sent in my application or my resume and she called me and we set up an interview and we talked. And then she offered me the position a couple of days later. Uh, So it was really uh, just straight and forward, just like any job you would get. The terms of the contract that I signed with them, everybody's is different. A lot of times you'll hear about associate jobs having certain timeframes. So they'll sign you for like two years and then they'll reevaluate and they can re-up your contract every two years or you can choose to leave or they can choose not to, not to bring you back. Uh, mine was a contract that was at will. So I just worked there for as long as I wanted to and she could let me go for certain reasons and I could leave for certain reasons, but it worked out very well for me in that respect and again, you can stay an associate for as long as you want it. It all depends on what you want and what you're comfortable with. I really enjoyed being an an associate because it showed me what I needed to do, but then also things that I didn't necessarily want to do in practice either. And all I had to do was come in and treat patients. I didn't have to worry about payroll. I didn't have to worry about rent payments. I didn't have to worry about Anything from a business standpoint. So it really kind of varies based on what you want. I purchased a clinic because I wanted all of those responsibilities. I wanted to understand what it was like to really be an entrepreneur and really be out on my own and be my own boss. There's perks and benefits to being your own boss, but then there's also perks and benefits to being an associate. I think the biggest reason why I chose to be an associate early on is my external environment. So I had a girlfriend at the time. She was. We were pretty serious at the time, and so we were considering getting married. And that was one thing for me that I didn't want to put in the time and the effort to build a practice from scratch that it takes, where all I had to do was come in day one at my associateship, and I just punch a clock, and uh, I don't have to worry about it. I just punch a clock, and then when the day's over, I punch a clock, and I go home. I didn't have to do the screenings and the marketing and the lunch and learns and all those different types of things. And so a lot of it will depend on kind of what your environment is at the same time, whether or not you choose an associateship
0: or whether you want to just branch out on your own. Yeah, that's interesting to hear because I can imagine that for some folks, when you decide to get a terminal degree and you go back to school for possibly one of the last, maybe second to last times for your life you have to imagine what you're going to want to do with that. In addition to that, the school is not free. So there's also some financial decisions that you have to roll in there. So I think what makes sense about becoming an associate right out of school is you get a chance to pay down some of the debt that you have. You Mm -hmm. also get a chance to focus on clinical experience. I can imagine that. Uh, somebody that is going into chiropractic school may not have previously ran a business. They may have had a managerial position. They may have even had a flexible consulting position where they, you know, previously worked in some type of healthcare. And I can see where, when it comes to the back end, you mentioned payroll compliance, it gets pretty serious with all these different things. The alternative is you just, you hire professionals to help you, but you know, it's, they cost money again. So you have to decide where do you want to spend your time and money? And then on the building a practice side for doctors that, and I mean, I guess for everybody, new doctors, students getting ready to graduate, doctors that are maybe working as an associate right now, what should they look for when they decide to maybe get out on their own and say they want to evaluate a practice? You don't need to you know, run through the financials or anything, but just when you make that decision internally that you may go out on your own, what does that look like for somebody? How can they recognize that themselves?
1: So, so for me, it was about wanting... Uh, just wanting more free time, more time for myself. You know, I was working every Saturday when I was at my associate position and I was there till 630 every night. And I saw my boss who had been in practice for years, you know, she would walk into the office at 1030 or 11 and see her patients. And then she'd go home and she'd have a three hour lunch or whatever she took, whenever her patients were. And then she came back and she worked for a couple hours and then she went home. I mean, that was one of the biggest things for me is that I always knew that that's what I wanted. And I know that I want more time to spend with my family. I mean, I have a 10 month, I guess almost 11 month old now. And, you know, he's a lot just like any kid is. And so I want to be at home with my wife. I want to be at home with my, with my son. I want to be able to spend time with my family. And that is what, That is what really opened it up for me to say, okay, I need to take the next step. I need to go this next step further and really look at being my own boss and having my own clinic. Things to look for specifically in a clinic, you want to make sure that the clinic is is growing and it's not rescinding or or, or regressing. One of the best ways to look for that is, is to see on average how many new patients they attract every month as well as what their monthly collections are and what their and what their monthly patient visits are. I mean, everybody has a certain number based on how much effort they want to put into it, but the better those those numbers look, the easier job you're going to have at coming in as a new doctor and and really making that that transition from the previous owner to the new owner if you choose to purchase a clinic like what I did. If you just decide to start out on your own, then you know, the sky's the limit there. It's just all about how much time and effort you wanna put into building the practice that that you want. And lots of other things come into that. It's all about, you know, being where you wanna be, being where you're happy. You know, I was an associate in Lee Summit and I liked Lee Summit because it was close to where I grew up at, but it was not where I grew up at. And so now I'm in a part of town where I grew up at and I spent lots of time here. And so I feel like I'm closer to my kind of people And so that was really important to me. And so those are just one of the few things that you need to look at whenever you're looking at branching out and potentially purchasing a practice or trying to start one from scratch.
0: Yeah, doctors work in communities. And I think the benefit to that is you really do get to engage with folks. And I speak with some members that also do other types of organizations. And it's just a recurring theme. The successful folks are involved for many different reasons. And a lot of them, they run concurrent. When people know you in a town and they know you in an area, in their circumstance, when they're feeling uncomfortable or in pain, they know this person works with people in my condition. So I think that's sort of the benefit, but it also sounds like if someone decides to go out there and just enter a new market, or maybe move somewhere else, like you mentioned that you went to Lee Summit, you just have to make up the difference and sort of uh, mm-hmm. practice building efforts. Whether that's going to be marketing, which is regulated, so you have to make sure that what you're doing is within the guidelines. Or the alternative is you just get super involved, and from there people are going to get to know you.
1: Right, exactly. I mean, that's one of the things that 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 I really strive for here in Raymore. Raymore is a very community feel to it. Like every city is a community, but I mean, they have a very community feel to them. So I'm a member of the Raymore Chamber of Commerce. I'm a member of the Belton Chamber of Commerce, which is just a neighboring town right over. And I'm also a member of the Raypex Sunrise Optimist Club. And all of these different organizations give me opportunities to get out and support my community. But it also allows my community to see me and know that I'm here because that's a lot of times what I hear about when talking with other docs is that they say, oh, well, like I just feel like people don't know that I'm here. Well, then you have to get out and let them know that you're here. And one of those or multiples of those types of organizations are really good for the community, but they're also a really great way for you to get your name and your face out there. And it's a great way to get patience because if somebody already knows who you are and what you do... Even if they don't need the services, if their wife or their neighbor needs services, they already know your name and your face and it's easy for them to just send them right to you. And that's how you, that's a
0: good way to start and build a referral type practice like that. Yeah, that's pretty important because the alternative is going to be a lot of. uh... A lot of upwork on your side and then for the time being you may not see linear results and I mean that's that's part of the business building there's nothing that guarantees that the business that you build works out and I think that is sort of the risk that's rolled up in here and maybe it's some of the risks that's alleviated when you do the associate route so that you don't have to worry about the ship being there but the health of the business is still if they pay you via check or automatic debit transfer, the health of the business is important for you because as we know things can change overnight. So it sounds like organizations are important. One of the organizations, which we all know is super important, and we encourage people to be a part of is the MCPA. Can you talk a little bit about what you got involved in the MCPA when you first started? And also a little bit about why it's important for all DCs to be a member of the MCPA.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I was very involved in it from the beginning. It's something that I had always wanted to get involved in. And that stems from, again, my involvement in the SACA chapter at Cleveland. And then on the national level, I just feel like being involved with the organization that's going to help advance your profession in your state and in your country is something that we all need to do because chiropractic is going to give us pretty much everything. And so it's nothing for us to be able to give a little bit back to chiropractic. And this is the best way to do that. When I first got out, I reached out to my local district, which is District 2 of the MCPA, and I just mentioned about, you know, attending meetings and, and pretty much how everything worked. And so I got information back about attending meetings, and we have a monthly meeting uh, just to meet with the district to let us know about what is going on at the state level and what's happening. And so I just started to attend those. And then it just built from there where after two or three years, I was, I was put on the board and then I got the role of secretary and I was secretary for two years. And then I am currently serving as the president of MCPA District 2 and I enjoy being a part of the district and a part of the national level and it is just a great way for us to give back and help to continue to advance the profession and make it better for the chiropractors that are coming behind us because... I know talking firsthand with some of the chiropractors in the association that have been around for a while, that it was not easy back in the day. And we all know that from, from, from being in school and hearing how it was back early on when chiropractic was just being formed and being, and being grown. And so we need to make sure that it continues to get better. But the more important thing is, is that we need to be able to get these services to our patients who need them. We know We see it every day in practice about how much chiropractic benefits patients of all ages, from kids to the elderly, to everybody in between. And we need to be able to provide these services to the patients who need them.
0: Yeah, and I think the ability, and that's part of what episode one, when Dr. Montgomery went into DCs being jailed, their families being jailed, and part of the struggle. And if, you know, when you go into the Cleveland University campus, they have a wall inside of the administrative building where they show you the timeline of, I believe it was Louisiana in the seventies. It was still illegal to practice chiropractic. Didn't matter if you had the schooling or what they just were not going to provide any support there so that was what really stood out to me as you look at this uh, wall and it's all the history and of course the things in the 1915 and you know all the way up to the 30s feel so long ago but right. we have members who were licensed in I believe 1973 74 and they're now on you know leadership positions or they've got previously you know they're a past president and you talk to them and you kind of just see what kind of experience they had and I can just imagine that you know, when they were getting started in either you know late 70s through the 80s they still had problems with the state Medicare system so you're finally able to practice but your ability to get paid is still being throttled and I mean that's nothing new we're still seeing that today but and I think that's what the association is here to do there are certain laws kind of regulating uh, what kind of things you can do and you know when you have practice to build a family, You also need to have your state licensure, things like continuing education. Just makes sense to have an organization working on your behalf the alternative would be to do it, you know, yourself, choose a uh, smaller activities that people can get involved in. If you were able to set up these groups that could effectively talk to lawmakers, also set up everything else you have to do, you know, the event planning and the other things that folks get into for the district seminars, also for the annual summer conference down there in Branson or Lake Ozark. There's just a lot of it that, like you mentioned, being an associate or the business owner, there are certain things that are handled for you and they're turnkey when you come in. There's other things that only you're going to be able to do. But if we don't have members on the front line telling us what they're seeing in their communities, that lag, that effect is going to be, it's its going to be much worse for other DCs. So that's sort of the benefit when people figure out what's going on, just the membership benefits, the long list, you need group health insurance. We have the MCPA attorney. We also have the other types of forums that people can reach out on. So I think what you get for this podcast now, so what you get for mm-hmm. the association is you can get involved in your district. You don't need to become the president immediately, just like you mentioned, you'll come in, you'll attend a few meetings, you'll see if it's for you, you'll just get an idea of what people are doing once a month, come out to the summer expo, see what happens when the classes are done and people come to the dinner and the live auction. So there's a lot of things that are beneficial to you on the networking side, but also somebody has to be responding to legislation that's proposed that would affect chiropractors ability to call themselves chiropractic physicians. So even though you're duly licensed to, and, you know, it's just the new challenges that always come up. You never know what kind of language people are looking to add to bills.
1: Right, exactly. And I mean, again, you just mentioning adding the physician to our name. I mean, that's something that's just happened within the last five years. And that's a huge, a huge change just being called chiropractors as opposed to being chiropractic physicians, patients the general public sees you differently when you're a physician and not just a chiropractor. It it seems like such a small change, like you were alluding to, Mike, but it really is a huge, a huge game changer when we can be labeled and listed as physicians with everything that happens in the state. And so I wouldn't have been able to do any of that work myself because, you know, I was an associate at the time, but then when I have a practice, I'm focused on my practice and, making money and making sure that I keep the lights on and that the rent's paid. And so we need somebody in our corner to be able to to help to promote and make those things happen. And that's where the association comes in. Legislation is always what, what people always kind of think of when it's about the association. It's always about legislation. It's always about legislation. It's not always about legislation. Legislation is important. Yes, that's how things happen. But if you don't like the legislation portion of it, that doesn't necessarily eliminate you from all the other benefits of being a member. Like you said, Mike, there is the the convention every summer that we have. And if you're a member, you get all of your continuing education credits for free. And it's basically a vacation. I mean, who wouldn't want to get continuing education credits down at the lake? There's no other place that I would want to get free credits than down at the lake. And then if you don't want to drive that far, you can always go to local district seminars that we have here um, in our district, too. I know that they have them in St. Louis and in Springfield as well. We hold two every year, one in December. And one in February. And those always line up right before you need to re up your license. And so it works out very conveniently and it's very easy. The crowds are a little bit sl- smaller. It's a little bit easier to get to, not as far to travel. And so they're very good events and they have very great speakers. And it's something that the association puts on. So the association is really out for helping every chiropractor in Missouri. And I don't wanna know where we would be if the association wasn't around.
0: Yeah. And that's always a big one is that there's things going on in behind the scenes there's things going on up front. And a lot of it is just going to come down to if you have some passion, some skill that, you know, you can provide, this is, is definitely what we're looking for. If we have everybody that was proficient at the same thing, we'd have major blind sides. So I think the benefit is getting a little bit of help from everyone so that nobody has to do everything. And then on the backside, if you can get some of these group benefits that don't necessarily, you know, If you wanted to hire your own attorney, you're always welcome to. If you have a question and you want to run it by the MCPA attorney, we have the forum. So I think there's just some preliminary benefits that come from that. But then, you know, our attorney will come to the conferences or the district seminars and he'll put a class together about applying a lien so that you can get paid for your services. So you need to have this interface with the legal world. And on the other side, you know, from my limited knowledge of PIP work, You provide all of your services up front, and then the reimbursement is sometimes delayed as part of a larger case, and then there's such adjustments that come in, and all of this is pretty much depending on you to get this paperwork filed correctly, and from my understanding, the documentation side of it will make some of the applications either invalid or maybe they won't be properly accepted. So you're going to spend time on the front making these applications only to find out later on that, you know, they've dispersed some money without getting your share back to you, especially when you provided the services up front.
1: Right. And, and the, the legal team down in Jefferson City is top notch. I mean, there are so many things that I learn when he hosts a seminar whether it's about liens when it comes to personal injury cases, or whether it's about workmen's comp or whether it's about just general Missouri law in a general sense, it there's always a good takeaway and there's always something that I learn because we do personal injury in my office. And it does not it never ceases to amaze me how particular we have to be with liens, and they have to say this little thing and it has to be, I mean, everything has to be included in it. It's, I've seen too many times where offices won't do things properly and then they don't get paid for all the money that, uh, for all the services that they provided. And then they can't charge the patient because it's not the patient's responsibility. And there's just too many times where it's come back and, and and bit a chiropractor. And I just hate to see that. And the legal team is top notch. And he's so easy to get a hold of. And he's very knowledgeable. He's probably one of the most knowledgeable attorneys I've ever met or talked to. And so it's just great. And it's also an easy process, whether you need to talk to the attorney, or whether you want to make a post in one of our forums, we as a collective group of chiropractors are a wealth of knowledge where somebody's been there before, somebody's experienced the same situation that you're experiencing, and it's really easy to just get on there and post your question and have somebody respond back to you within a couple hours or a couple days and just have an answer so that you can move forward with whatever your situation is
0: and get that resolved. Yeah, there's definitely some experience that you wouldn't be able to find if not for non-members. And and when I ask some of them at the seminars, because we get people that aren't members, but still come out and support us in the events. I'll ask them, you know, where, where do you get your information from? And usually they're just talking to a member and they're trying to figure out what would you do in this circumstance. So if you are somebody that usually has to rely on somebody else, I think you're still using the same system, but you're not really getting the other benefits. So whether that's just some of the Information sent out to members only. We have the legislative reports. We have Lynn, who does our lobbying, and you have a lot of the other folks at the MCPA employees to do research on our behalf. And then you get doctors who are just independently doing research as part of peer reviewed studies. We also are members of organizations like Cairo Congress. We just came from a meeting with Dr. Sherry McAllister. She came to Branson and did a, a seminar. So you get all these different national organizations. And I think The benefit is that if you're involved in your state association, you're going to get to interface with these other types of orgs that are working for you in a much easier fashion. They come to us, they send us information. We sometimes, you know, when Cleveland University had their hundred year, we all went out there and we were able to meet with some of the vendors. We've added some new corporate supporters just from attending that event. We had a group of, you know, alumni from Cleveland and then Derek Lefford, our executive director and myself went out. And it was just good to meet people. We're not chiropractors, so we're always looking for chiropractors to introduce us to their peers and kind of just, you know, if you know somebody that previously was a member, helped out for a long time. And then after a while, it's just, you know, life changes and things, you know, it just it's not as easy to get out to a meeting if it's in the evening anymore. There's many different ways to get involved. We need the experience from everybody. And on the other side, maybe you can just answer one person's question or provide a short-term preceptorship, where maybe in some small thing, you allow some students to answer some questions as part of the spin-up process for their graduation and eventual placement in an office. And if those are the things you can help with, I think that's much better than any other situation where, you know, maybe you go isolationist, things are doing well for your business, your employees, but we always get those kind of critical events that make you think, okay, I'm going to call the state association.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of the things that I enjoy doing most and why I enjoy being president, because it allows me to get out into my local community, into my district and really talk with chiropractors and figure out what it is that they're doing, how are ways that the association can help, how are ways that we can strengthen the relationships there and just find a way to get people more involved. I mean, I talk with people all the time about, oh, well, like, I think I might be buying this practice. What do... What do I need to do? And there's many, many resources that are available in the association to answer any of those type of questions, but we just need to get out and, 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 and be vocal and communicate and network with each other and figure out what works best for us. But we can only do so much without the help of the association, which is what makes the association so important. And that's why I choose to be a member and, and will for the rest of my career, because it's just not that difficult to be a member. I mean, I know everybody talks about cost, and yes, that's a thing, but they have lots of different options that you can use. You can either pay in full. you can do monthly payments like what I do, and I don't even see it come from come from my bank account when it's gone because it's such a minimal amount. And so it's 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 very easy to be a member and to get
0: involved. You just have to do it. yeah, and we've got all sorts of options if folks want to do the automatic debit. Like you mentioned, you can set it up monthly. It's a $50 per month charge to be a member. And the benefit of that is you do get access. Let's say you have group health insurance in the office and you just want to get a new quote. We have our insurance broker that does plans as low as two employees. They also have the other types of supplemental insurance. So there's some things that once you're a member, you get some automatic access to the paywall. The attorney, Jordy McGonigal, has also put some forms in there, some starter forms for folks that want to do things like the the concierge medicine. And if you have agreements on that, you can also send him the information and he can review it for you if you need him to represent you on something else. You can also talk to you about that. I think that's sort of what comes from that side of the membership benefits. But then also, if you have some things, you know, in most years, it's tax deductible up to 60 to 70%. So you also are able to put that back in against your business. So I'd argue that this is a reinvestment in the business to make sure that tomorrow you can keep the lights on and nothing with the stroke of a pen would come in and say, you know what, you're going to have to make these changes to what you do in your practice. And, you know, you just don't want to be playing catch up in these circumstances. So that's our goal. If we can avoid any backsliding, that's also important. But The forward, the promotion of chiropractic and communities and getting all the different people to see what kind of impact you have in your community is just paramount. We can't do it alone. You know, we have the association, but it's a group of members. You know, it's not so much like a monolith, a business that just exists solely for, you know, some individual, you know, personal gain We're trying to get everybody to help together and the ones who volunteer see that, you know, it's you spend, you volunteer your family time and you come out and you spend a little bit of office time and a little bit of family time, making sure that everybody, even the non-members have the ability to practice. Right. Exactly. that's definitely a tough one. So that's sort of the, that's the serious part of the show. I think that was the one that I really kind of wanted to talk to. So I guess the other side here I just wanted to open up to you and kind of get an idea. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Any TV shows that you've watched that you like recently, any podcasts, books, give us a little bit about the arts and entertainment side of what you do.
1: Gosh, I am a podcast junkie. I love podcasts. If I could, I could listen to podcasts all day. Some of the ones that I listen to now are, I'm listening to this podcast called Parks and Recollection. And it is where they're going through every episode of the Parks and Recreation TV show that came out seven or eight years ago. Uh, And it is very funny and it's very good. And I just enjoy laughing. But let's see, TV shows. My wife, who is also a chiropractor in Missouri, she is very particular about what we watch. And so we've just been watching The Mandalorian because that just came out a couple months ago. And so we're trying to get caught up on that. But but yeah, those are the things that I've been at least checking up on media wise, book wise. I'm reading this book currently called Power, and I'm pretty sure it's called it's by Robert green. And I just am really into self help books, psychology books, anything to help try and get my mindset right and try and help me stay focused every day because it takes a lot of focus to to run a practice. And sometimes I can get distracted by the shiny object, if you will and try and get pulled in a bunch of different ways. So I'm really focusing on trying to keep my mindset right so that I can be as successful as I I can be. And to me, success means helping as many patients as possible attain their goals.
0: Yeah, it's good to hear. You got to optimize. And I think the benefit of having something else outside of the practice is just, something to keep you grounded, other things that you enjoy, you know, what you do for work and what you do during the day is just one part of you. So I think that's sort of the benefit of having other things. A lot of people have families and they're also doing those other kind of associations and things that they do in their community. So I think you get the benefit when you're out there helping people, but you also got to help yourself. You got to do some self-care if you will.
1: Yeah, that's running is a big thing for me. I really try and 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 work out and get either a run on the elliptical now cuz we all know how hot it's been, either on the treadmill or on the elliptical and that really helps me to just de-stress and kind of push everything from practice kind of a way and just allows me to really relax and stay grounded, like you said, as much as possible, because as much as I love being in practice and I love it more than anything, there are times that it is very frustrating. And so everybody needs that, that method of release to just let everything go and, and running and working out on the treadmill or running outside really, really helps me to stay grounded and to just kind of brush everything off my shoulders when it's been a rougher, frustrating day. So...
0: Yeah, that's good. And you were a college athlete as well, weren't you? Yeah, I played baseball at Avila University here in town, so. Keeping the entire workout schedule going. In my dorm in freshman year, we had a two baseball players. And I mean, there's times where, you know, you're up in the morning and they're coming back from like a 5 a.m. workout. So mm-hmm. you're like, you're maybe making an egg or eating some cereal. And these guys have already worked out for the day. And you're just like, great, great. Good to see you.
1: Oh. Man, I remember those days. Those were rough, I'm telling you, because I didn't live on campus, so I had like a 20-minute drive, so I was up 20 minutes earlier as opposed to the guys that just get up and walk down from the dorm rooms to the gym, so it was a little bit more rough for
0: me, but yeah. I remember those days very vividly. <laughs> Student parking lots and tickets and all of the things that come with that. Yeah, I think that's the benefit a lot. Everyone starts the same way. You know, you kind of have all these different things you get involved in, and over time, those change. Either you you age out of them just due to the kind of structural components of what you're involved in, whether that's, you know, kind of like the undergrad and what you get into once you're out of school. And then it's important to stay involved after, because if not, it's, uh, you know, I talk to people that come back in after many years and they tell me, you know, you know, I'm previously a member 20 years ago, you know, and I just stayed in and then I took some time off. And then a lot of times the folks will have other investments that they're doing businesses that they started mm-hmm. to invest in, you know, 20 years ago that are now starting to get more self-sufficient. So you find somebody that's got just, you know, several things on their plate and the practice is just one of them. So I think as time goes on, it really is important to carve out those things for yourself. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine
1: not having my time to release from from everything that's going on. It would. Stress me out, and then it would stress my wife and my family out, and my wife is stressed out enough. So,
0: yeah, that's another thing that I've noticed is there are a lot of chiropractors that are married. So you'll see families, and it's generational. So it really does, you know, it's great when you see a couple, and you know, some of them work together in in one practice. Some of them have separate practices. I've seen so it's just that's interesting to see what the differences are between two people who are one but run two separate businesses as the CEO and Creative director.
1: Yes. My wife and I met in chiropractic school. And so we do not work in the same office. And that's probably good. We have two completely different ways of practicing chiropractic. And so we knew that we wouldn't be able to mesh well, I think, when it comes to practicing. But we both really enjoy our separate offices because then we can use each other to bounce ideas off of each other if we're having. Difficult cases, or just tough patients, or just kind of just kind of anything that can come up. You know, I uh, my wife doesn't see kids but younger than two. So when she gets somebody like that, she sends them up to me, and I love treating kids. I think chiropractic is great for again everybody of all ages, and I love seeing kids. And they have no problem with driving up here, and she has no problem with preferring them. So I think it works out very well that we have two separate offices like that because then we can each do our own thing and then come home and still be a peaceful family like we need to be as opposed to bringing the stresses of work home or the stresses, bringing the stresses from home to work. I think sometimes that can get a little bit messy if you're not careful. And so I like the way that we do it. I think
0: it works best for us. And I think she would say the same thing. I think she likes being on her own too. I like it from the business perspective. Knowing your market segment is pretty important. Knowing who you are is great, but knowing who you're not is also pretty important. You can start with one or the other. And if you have an ability to figure out what's your total addressable market, what can I best help with in the time that I'm willing to you know, trade for these types of reimbursements? And then on the back end, maybe you specialize and maybe, you know, you end up back in school, you know, we're seeing a lot of different folks that have acupuncture certifications, or maybe they're diplomat in acupuncture. So not only do you have, you know, adjustments and everything that comes from that side, maybe you're running an entirely different focus as well. So I think that's sort of the benefit of either teaming up in a husband wife endeavor, or if you have two separate businesses addressing two different markets, at least you know, you've got a lot covered, you're not overly exposed to one type Of client. And I think that's pretty important.
1: Right. And that's one of the great things about chiropractic is that there is so many different avenues you can go down if you choose to specialize. You know, if you want to try and work on the sideline for a local high school or do something even bigger than that and work with a college of professionals, you know, there's a diplomat that you can do to be a sports physician. If you are interested in more rehab, there's a rehab diplomat that you can attain. If you're into more internal diseases and you want to deal with that in a natural way, there's there's a diplomat for that. So there's so many different avenues that you can go down. And I do think that that would work very, very well with a team like that, whether it's a husband and wife or whether it's just another team, you know, just trying to help complement and try and help treat your community and keep them well as much as possible. And all those things go hand in hand with one another.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great to hear. There's so many different parts of the scope that people can work on. And then you also get, you know, I've spoke to one gentleman that has a very unique practice. He travels to people's homes. And I Mm -hmm. thought that was super interesting because the brick and mortar overhead is, you know what it's going to cost each month? Generally, Mm -hmm. you always have an idea of what day of the month as part of the business week, that you you hit your uh, your set amount, the number that you you know you needed to make sure that you can make payroll and overhead. So I'm sure you, people have these different metrics in their head that they track right. and they can figure those out. So for him, I thought that was super interesting because you know he's now I believe he had sold a practice, so now this is a different type of stage in his life where it makes more sense for mm-hmm. him to schedule these and go out to people's homes. So I thought that was pretty interesting. The alternative to that would be you know staying at a physical location for a long time and seeing, you know, how many people come in.
1: Yeah. And I think that that leads back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's, it's about where you are in your life and kind of what makes you happy. Cause I just talked to another chiropractor and she just did the same thing. She was an associate at a job and she just, she really didn't like the way that she was graded on her metrics. Her metrics were more Mm -hmm. collections based as opposed to patient outcome based. And so just recently, she has done the same thing. She has gone completely mobile all by herself. She has a table and she does some dry needling as well. And she travels to people and all she's focused on is patient outcomes. How quickly can I get them better? Not about anything else. Nothing else matters to her. And so those, again, it just it just goes back to you have to kind of take your environment and what makes you happy and then put that into practice and where you're going to be because if you're not happy where you're practicing or what you're doing, then that's going to have an effect on your entire life. And then it's going to come back and have an effect on your patients. And so that's just very important. And she just, I mean, she's much happier now that she's strictly worried about patient outcomes and she doesn't have anybody to answer to but herself.
0: Yeah, that's pretty important. And if they don't have an idea where they want to be Or maybe they're changing from an idea that is, you know, you've met your goal. Sometimes you end up meeting your goal and you have to set a new one. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it can feel as stressful as not meeting the goal because sometimes you're just you're back to square one. So that's the benefit. It gives you something to look at. If people need help, they should come out to an association event, come to a district meeting, join, come into one of the other types of events that we do. Sometimes they have socials. Uh, events that aren't like, you know, formal CE. They did an event at Top Golf, They did one at Big Shots and they just had people come out for the night. And I think sometimes that's where you you get to ask these questions. You know, it's tough to call somebody while they're in practice and ask them a a non-patient focused question to just say, you know, what's the best way to do this? Or how can I better improve my internal staff practices? Those are just tough to do during nine to five. So I think when you're outside of that and you're looking to connect with other folks, that's what you can use the association for. Use it as the network to talk to people when you don't really have those set up engagements anymore. In college, they had those free pizza nights or the, you know, during midterms, they had these study halls where everybody was congregated and you sort of just talked to people and, you know, we're learning every day. This is the college of life now. Right, exactly.
1: And that's one thing that I'm really focusing on as district two president is really finding ways and, and, and focusing on getting more out to just the general members or just the even the non-members and just trying to get in touch with them and trying to figure out what it is that we can do to help them because I like having something to look forward to or to think about. That's not my office because we can get so focused on the office that I, again, I like having something else to focus on and helping other docs or worrying about legislation or trying to come up with ways to make chiropractic better through the association is one way that I can stop thinking so much about the office and think a little bit bigger picture as opposed to so small picture, which is my patients in the office.
0: Yeah, describe that as big C chiropractic, sometimes thinking about what's going on with everyone. And, you know, we're in Missouri, but, you know, there's doctors in Indiana having the same issues that you're having. Doctors mm-hmm. in Idaho, you know, pick a place. I bet you there's a chiropractor they're having this type of issue. And in some states they've been able to, set up the circumstances in the way they want, not all of them, but, you know, you hear different types of, you know, scope of practice. And you also hear about the engagements that they have with the carriers that sort of change whether or not they need to be in the network or out of the network. So like to look at the other states, see what they're doing well, but we can also learn from some of the challenges they're having. And I think that's what those national organizations help with. This year, we have the Medicare modernization bill going on in the federal side, And we just had the event with representative Jason Smith there Mm -hmm. in Logan university and, you know, big supporter of chiropractic. And it's just important that they, they know that, you know, their staff sees it. They hear from doctors who are treating patients and they just have an idea of, okay, when somebody mentions chiropractic, I think, you know, relief, optimal health. I think of community members that, you know, not only do the business because you can do any business, you know, if you want to open a print shop tomorrow, nobody's stopping you, but, just a certain type of person that wants to help people. And you said you've known that since grade school. So mm-hmm. it's related. Yeah.
1: yeah. And that's one thing that I was just getting ready to say until you brought up Medicare. I mean, talking about chiros from all States, like every chiropractor, every chiropractor in the country deals the same thing with Medicare. I mean, we get reimbursed for the adjustment of the spine only and nothing more. And that's one thing that the association works on. I mean, yes, it's a federal level, but there's a guy that, works with the association that works at the federal level too. And he's got every single uh, Missouri representative that's a co-sponsor of that Medicare bill. And I mean, that's, That's not easy to do. He runs a full-time practice, a busy practice. And so that's just extra time that he puts out. But that's one way that he gives back to the association to try and help all chiropractors. And that's that's just another reason that we've listed out here why the association is so important and why it's such a benefit to every chiropractor in Missouri. And each other uh, state association is a benefit to the chiropractors in their state too. I mean, we all have to work together to help everybody and to make sure that the patients get the care that they need because we know that the medicare age patients are ones that need it the most more than most people because they've been around for a long time you know they've 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 lived a full great life and and they deserve to continue to live a full grave a full great life into their later years
0: and chiropractic is a great way to do that yeah it's an important point if there's if you don't get into an association other physicians will, and they already are. So that's sort of the most important thing, not playing catch up and just having an idea of what's important to you. And that comes from the individual chiropractors, member, non member, lapsed member, anything that comes from it. Everything that you go through in your practice is relevant information that we need. You see those surveys that come out from the association and the other parts there. And, you know, it's we won't know unless people tell us. So if you've been waiting to get involved, if you thought that, you know, it's not really for you, but maybe you're thinking about it now, this is the time to do it. There's no better time. We are shaping the next 10 years of either growth or contraction for chiropractic in, I I would say the world, you know, greater than Missouri. We're working here in Missouri, but you know, what we do here is observed by other States. And eventually, you know, it's, it's going to go, it's going to keep going up. We just don't want to be here and see a world where, you know, people aren't able to get access to chiropractic or, they're being thwarted when they're using their 26 visits or they have, you know, some type of administrative hurdle that ends up being passed back to them from an insurance company as, you know, some other cost, or from the doctor's office. Like you mentioned, it's not the patient responsibility to run an insurance company. Right. Exactly.
1: The insurance should work for the patient. And based on my experience, sometimes they don't, it seems like, and we need to make sure that they get the benefits that, that they said that they have and that they deserve. And, uh, that's one way. Again, another way that the association helps is they fight for insurance reimbursement. They fight to overcome illegal practices that that insurance companies are are performing. And we've just gotten over one from a couple of years ago, that was a big one. And one of Jordy is one of the big guys that helped lead that charge against them. And so it's just another way that the association helps us, helps us become better chiropractors, helps us reach as many people as possible, but also helps keep the insurance companies and everybody above us in check as well.
0: Yeah. People have rights and they need to be protected. Chiropractors, Mm -hmm. patients, attorneys, doctors, everybody, you know, has rights and we need to look out for them. Exactly. Great. Great. Well, where can people learn more about you? Give us some information, what you'd like to share. Tell us how do people stay up with Dr. Michael Brooks? So I don't, I'm not really big on Facebook, but you can
1: find me on Facebook either through my personal or you can go through my my clinic page is Heritage Chiropractic Clinic. We don't do Twitter. We don't do Instagram. That's something I'm trying <laughs> to get. Mike, I know you've talked to me about doing that for a while, but I've got a great front desk girl that is very much in tune to the social media. Uh, And so that's something that we're definitely working on to try and reach those bases and just kind of get out so people can get in contact with me more. But also, I believe my contact information is listed on the website under District 2. If anybody has any questions or concerns or thoughts or suggestions. Even if you're not in District 2, don't be afraid to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to answer questions, chat with you on the phone, try and help you figure some things out. And if I don't have an answer to it, I can definitely, well, not definitely, I can hopefully find somebody that does have a right answer for you. And I'm more than happy to chat with anybody and help as best I can.
0: That's great. Well, thank you for everything that you do for the MCPA for District 2. And we hope to have you back on here. Where's this episode two? So we're going to be around for a long time. So we'd like to have you back on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Mike, anytime I am more than happy to do it.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Brooks. It was a pleasure speaking with you.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure speaking with you.